So I want to get you focused on Daniel 7. We're going to be there in a moment, but I want to play a little game with you guys. Is that okay? Can we play games at church? Okay, we're going to. So I'm going to show you a picture, and I just, these are pictures of bad guys that were in movies, stories, and I want you to help me identify the person that you're going to see in the picture and what the story or what the movie is. Are you ready? Okay, don't be scared. Some of these guys are scary. I'm just going to give you the warning right now. So if you have to cover your eyes, that's okay. We won't look. Uh, So let's put the first picture. Who is this? Who is it? So it's from Emperor. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate it. Emperor Palpatine, the Sith Lord, the dark side. And it's the Star Wars. Okay, very good. Who's the next one we got here? Do you know who this one is? Some of you know. Come on, don't be scared. Shout it out. Voldemort, don't speak of his name, uh, and that's from Harry Potter. Okay, very good. Uh, let's see who the next one is. You remember this one? Ursula, and what's the movie that Ursula is in? The Little Mermaid. Okay, going again. You guys know this one? Thanos, Thanos from Avengers, Avengers in, in Infinity War, Endgame. I still have yet to see those two movies, I'm sorry. Uh, this one, got to go back a little ways. Do you know this one? Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. Do you know who that dragon is? What her name was? Maleficent. Yes, she is pretty beastly to turn into a dragon. Okay. I think I've got one more. Do you know this one? You've got to look for the little guy in the corner with hairy feet. From the Hobbit. And that is, do you know the dragon's name? Smog or smog, the desolation of smog, okay? So that is uh, some of these evil guys, these villains, these um, beasts. And so they're just kind of epic stories of, of good and bad. And with all of these bad guys, you're looking for some hero, right? Whether it's Harry Potter or Prince Charming, you're looking for someone to come and rescue you from this evil beast, this dragon. And that's really the story of the Bible, that there's this evil beast. We actually meet him in chapter 3 of Genesis where it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. And throughout the story of the Bible, it is God and his people at war against this serpent, this dragon, this beast. And so in our time today, I want to take us through this experience in Daniel, the prophet Daniel and chapter 7. But before we get to chapter 7, we've got to kind of back up. And so here's what I want to do today. Can I just tell you what the plan is? I just want to tell you the Bible. I just want to read Bible stuff with you today. I just want to look at the Bible. I'm not really going to tell a lot of stories other than just the scripture. Is it okay if we can just read the Bible at church? Is that okay with you guys? That we just, I'm just going to tell you Bible today. This is just going to give you a heavy dose of the Bible. So we're going to talk a lot about Daniel, the first seven chapters. I want to take you to a couple places in Mark's gospel, chapter 2, chapter 14, and then we're going to close with some revelation. So we're just going to be in the Bible today. Is that okay with you guys? Hello, thank, are you awake? Okay, so here we go. Daniel, Daniel's, Dan, the story of Daniel starts out just peg like 586 B.C. Daniel 586 B.C. Imagine your house is burned down, your town's burned down, and you're hauled hundreds of miles away from home. That's Daniel. He and his friends, they, Babylon has come, conquered Jerusalem, hauled them hundreds of miles away from home. They're in exile. 
And so Daniel, and he has three friends. You might hear, remember their names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so in chapter 2 of, of the story of Daniel, the king of Babylon has a dream. Daniel 2, you can follow along in your Bibles if you want to. In Daniel 2, the king has a dream. And he has a dream of this statue. And it has a gold head, has a silver chest, bronze legs, and then his feet are mixed with iron and clay. No one can interpret the dream except Daniel. They said, we know Daniel can interpret dreams. And so they say, Daniel, will you interpret the dream? And Daniel says, only interpretation comes from God. But here's what the dream means. They're the, the head of gold... King of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, that's you. That's your kingdom. And then there, the, the silver is the next kingdom after you. It's going to be a little less powerful. The bronze is going to be a little less powerful. And then there's going to be this mixture kingdom come up. And it's going to be even less powerful. And oh yeah, you had a dream that there was this big rock that was pulled out of the mountain that was not made with human hands. And though that rock was thrown and crushed the, the statue, that's God. And God's going to have the final word and crush the kingdom. Okay, that's the story. So we've got the gold, silver, bronze, different kingdoms following Babylon. So far, so good. You turn the page to chapter 3. Maybe motivated from his dream, the king of Babylon builds a gold statue. And he says, we're going to play music. And you bow down to the statue that is me, and you're going to worship me. And if you don't worship me, there's a big fiery furnace, and we're going to throw you in there. And so they play the music, the statue's there, and everyone bows down except for three Hebrew boys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they circle them up, they tie them up, and they throw them into this fiery furnace. And the soldiers actually are burned up because the fire is so hot that they throw them into the fire, and the soldiers are burned up, and the king of Babylon starts to look in the furnace And he sees Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're walking around in that fire. And then he says, I thought we put three guys in there. I see a fourth guy in there, and he looks like a son of the gods. So God rescues Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fire. That's Daniel 3. You go to Daniel 4. And the king of Babylon walks on his palace and he says, look at this great kingdom that I have made with my own power. And before the words finish leaving his mouth, God sends this spirit of insanity on the king of Babylon. And he's driven away from his people and he starts walking on all fours like a beast. Says that his hair is like feathers. He's His nails grow like claws, and he eats grass like an ox. Crazy. And this is Daniel 4. And so this is, can you imagine the king, I mean like this most powerful guy, he has this spirit of insanity, so he's out in the the crops. And then his mind comes back. And here's what he says in Daniel 4, verse 34. Daniel 4, 34. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, Raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. And then take note of this couple sentences. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. So we have a pagan king saying that God's in charge here. 
and that his kingdom will endure forever. That's a pretty bold statement from a pagan king. That's Daniel 4. Daniel 6. Remember that statue? The gold, the silver, the bronze, and that mixture of iron and clay? A new king comes. Darius the Mede, from the Medes and the Persians. In Daniel 6, Darius's cabinet says, hey, we need to make a law. Daniel 6, let's make a new law that we only pray to you, O King Darius. Because they had some jealousy against faithful Daniel. And they knew that Daniel prayed to our God. And they said, anybody who prays to any other God besides you, King Darius, let's throw him into the lion's den. Throw him to the beast's. And so they caught Daniel. He was faced with a, chan, chan, a choice. Do I pray to the king or do I pray to my God? He prays to his God. And they arrest Daniel and they throw him to the lions. And King Darius has a sleepless night because he wasn't happy about that. His cabinet members basically forced his hand. And so the next morning, he goes to the pit and he says, Daniel, the God whom you serve, was he able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel says, my God sent his angel to take care of those lions. I'm alive and well. And guess what Darius says in response? Something very similar to the king of Babylon. Darius says this in Daniel 6, verse 26. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. Does that sound just like what the king of Babylon said? So now we have two pagan kings, one who acted like a physical beast, another that threw Daniel to the beasts, are both saying, yeah, God's in charge here. And then we get to Daniel 7, which is where we're going to find our core verse. But before we get to our core verse, I need to give you a little background on Daniel. Do you get some of these dreams and visions? These, can I give you a fancy word? Are you ready to learn a cool new word today? These dreams and visions are what we call apocalypse. Have you heard that word before? Can you, you want to say it out loud? Apocalypse. When we think of apocalypse, we think the catastrophic end to the world and everything's just going to blow up and burn, right? That's part of it. But the word apocalypse means to unveil something. Don't you want me to just unveil this right now? Don't you want to know what's under here? So the word apocalypse means that we're going to lift the cover up. We're going to uncover something so that you can see something from God's perspective. Are you ready? Not yet. Can't do it. We got, I still got more preaching to do before we get there. The word apocalypse means we're going to uncover something. God has a message that he wants to pull the veil up so that we conceive life from heaven and earth's perspective. In fact, we have a book in the Bible that's called Apocalypse. It's called the book of Revelation. You hear reveal? To reveal, to uncover. The apocalypse of Jesus Christ. So sometimes the word apocalypse means the end of the world. A lot of times we're just going to lift the veil so you can see what's happening here and now. And so that's what's happening in Daniel chapter 7. We're getting a picture of what God is doing. Thank you. I'm so sorry. So Daniel 7, he has a dream of his own. He has a dream of four beasts. 
The first beast is like a lion. I'm wondering if he just came out of the lion's dead, if that's what he had a dream of. Let's be honest. By the time we read through this dream, we're not so sure what Daniel had to eat that night for supper because it gets pretty wild. So the first one is, we see in Daniel 7, verse 4, there was a like, there was, it was like a lion. It had the wings of an eagle, and yet he, the wings are torn off, and then it starts acting like a human. Kind of strange. Second beast is a bear, verse uh, 5, and it's chomping on some ribs, and then there's a voice that says, get up and eat your fill of flesh. That's beast number 2. Beast number 3 We have a leopard, verse 6. There's a leopard, has four wings on its back and four heads. What did he eat for supper? The last beast, number 4, verse 7, tells us that it is terrifying, frightening, powerful, iron teeth, has ten horns. And then there's an eleventh horn that grows up and starts talking bad things about God. That's Daniel's dream, the first part. When you get to these apocalypse types of passages in the Bible, anytime there's dreams, visions, a lot of symbol language, Daniel is what we're reading right now, a lot of times in Revelation, don't get caught up in all the details. You just want to ask yourself, are these good guys or bad guys? So these beasts, flying lions, four-headed leopards, man-eating bears, terrifying beasts, iron teeth, talking horns, good guys, bad guys. They're bad guys, okay? Interpreting the Bible is not as hard as we make it out to be. These are bad guys. Let's pick it up and see what's going to happen next in his dream. Verse 9, Daniel 7, verse 9. As I look, thrones were set in place. The Ancient of Days took his seat. So we have the Ancient One here. Who is this Ancient One? We're going to get some description. His clothing was as white as snow, and the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. Have we seen fire anywhere in Daniel's story? Remember where those three Hebrew guys were? They were thrown into the fire. And yet God rescued them out of the fire, didn't he? Keep going, verse 10. A river of fire was flowing, coming from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated. The books were opened. Have we ever heard of that scene before in the Bible? Court, books opened, fire. Think Revelation 20. We're going to get there before we're done. Verse 11, then I watched to, I, then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. Who's this ancient of days? White clothing on the throne, fiery chariot type throne. Sounds like a good guy. Sounds like God, the ancient one. No. Then we get to verse 13. And this is our theme verse. Let's read that together. Verse 13. This is our memory verse for this week. In my vision at night, let's read this out loud. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. 
So we got this vision. God's left in the veil. Here's what's happening. I see one who looks like a son of man. You remember back in the fiery furnace, the three guys, and what was the fourth guy? What did he look like? He looked like one of the son, a son of the gods from the pagan king's perspective. Now David, Daniel sees one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Hang on to that picture because we're going to see that in Mark's gospel. And he approached the ancient of days. So we have the son of man coming before God and his throne. What's going on next? Verse 14. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Have we seen those words before? King Nebuchadnezzar, King Darius. Now it's in Daniel's vision. There is this one whose kingdom will never be destroyed. And there's this son of man. Who is this son of man? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Every time you meet Jesus in the Gospels, this is how he introduces himself. He doesn't say, hi, I'm Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus' last name is not Christ. That's his title means messiah means anointed one mary and joseph's last name was not christ i don't think they had last names back then okay it means christ the anointed one he's the messiah he's the savior of the world when jesus would introduce himself he'd give a fist bump he'd say son of man hi i'm the son of man play with me here a little bit okay all right all right air high five i'm the son of man nice to meet you Son of man, I'm the son of man. I'm the, every, every time nearly, every time you meet Jesus, he introduces himself as son of man. So he wants you to realize that, you remember, read your Bible back in Daniel 7. You got these scary beasts happening right now. My dad took care of them and I am with him. So whatever beast you're facing right now, there have been a lot of evil beasts in the world, haven't there? Evil governments, evil systems, evil things. God's got him. So no matter what type of evil experience you're facing right now, the Son of Man wants to help you, and he's more powerful than anything this world will throw at us. That's the story of Daniel 7, 13. And I want to give you two stories here in Mark's Gospel where Jesus says, hey, let me tell you something. I'm the Son of Man. Let me tell you. In Mark chapter 2, go ahead and go to your Bibles, Mark chapter 2. Early on in Jesus' ministry, there's this paralyzed man, and he's got four wonderful friends. Four wonderful friends that pick up his mat, carry him to Jesus. Maybe we should follow their example. What are we doing to help get our friends to Jesus? They actually physically picked him up. They carried him up to the house. The house was full of people. They couldn't get him to Jesus. They climb up on top of the roof with this guy in his mat. They break a hole into the roof and lower him down to Jesus. They loved their friend so much. They wanted him to get to Jesus. And he's lowered there, big crowd. Jesus is teaching. He sees this man. He looks at the faith of their friends. He says, your sins are forgiven. The religious leaders are nearby, and they're thinking to themselves. They're not saying it out loud, but they're thinking, who's this guy think he is? There's only one person on earth, and first, one person that can forgive sins, and it's God. Does this guy think he's God? And Mark tells us Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he says, let me tell you something. Mark chapter 2, verse 10. 
Mark 2, verse 10. I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he looks at the paralyzed man there before him and says, pick up your mat, walk, your sins are forgiven. And when he's saying, I want you to know the Son of Man, yeah, it's nice. On one hand, Jesus is identifying with us. He became flesh. And so in one way, it's, it's a picture of his humility to be human. But on the other hand, he's saying, no, this is me. I'm in charge here. You remember back to Daniel 7 with all those beasts? I'm in charge. And I have the authority to forgive sins. Most times when you see Jesus saying, I'm the Son of Man, it's to display his authority. He's saying, I'm in charge here. A couple of years later, there's going to be another beast show up. It's going to look different because he's going to be dressed real nice. Religious clothing, have a lot of the Bible memorized. And he's actually going to send some soldiers across the valley to arrest Jesus and bring him back into the courtroom at, at night under the cover of darkness to hold illegal trials. And the high priest is going to ask Jesus. In fact, the high priest was the anointed one too. They would anoint priests. And the anointed one asked Jesus, are you the anointed one? Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Mark 14, 62, here's Jesus' response. The anointed one, the high priest, asked Jesus, Are you the anointed one? Verse 62 of Mark 14. I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Have we heard that word before? Do you remember Daniel 7? Crazy beasts getting ready. They're thrown in the fire. And we have one who looks like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. Jesus is saying, yes, I am the Messiah. I'm the anointed one. And I am the son of man. I'm in charge here. There's a great video by the guys that put on the Bible Project. If you just Google Bible Project, Son of Man. Google Bible Project, Son of Man. Five minutes, 50 seconds, there's this great video on the Son of Man. And a good chunk of the sermons from that video, I'll be honest. Okay, I'm giving some credit where credit's due. And they say that Jesus says, I'm the Son of Man, and just within hours, Jesus is going to be hanging on a cross. In that video, they say that the execution of the Son of Man leads to his exaltation. His execution led to his exaltation because Jesus says, when I am lifted up from the earth, I'm going to draw all men to myself. And so Jesus laid down his life to defeat the beasts. What beasts are we facing right now? Remember, it's the evil one. It's not that person. Our enemy is the evil one, the beast. Generation later, we open up the apocalypse, Revelation 1. And there's a follower of Jesus named John. And his story is a little bit like Daniel's. Remember Daniel, house burned up, hauled off to exile to Babylon? John, faithful follower of God, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, he is exiled to the island of Patmos. Daniel has a dream. John has a dream. And in Revelation 1, verses 12 and following, here's John's dream. 
I turned around to see what was speaking to me, and there, when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like Son of Man. Don't you love the Bible? I just love how it just weaves us through all these different stories. So he sees one who's like a son of man. So we know this is Jesus. And, and John is wanting us to know, think back to Daniel 7. And think back to the beasts. And remember who wins over the beasts. One like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, golden sash around his chest, his hair on his head was white like wool, white as snow. Doesn't that sound like the Ancient of Days? And his eyes were blazing fire. We saw fire, didn't we? His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing water. So again, when you think about the symbol, is this a good guy or a bad guy? Sounds like a good guy to me. Sounds like Jesus. Sounds like powerful. In his right hand he held seven stars. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. is Jesus, son of man, looks a lot like Daniel 7, sword coming out of his mouth. Again, don't press the details too much, just know that this, this guy is a good guy and he's powerful. You keep reading through Revelation, in about chapter 12, there's going to be a red dragon show up. It's called the ancient serpent. Genesis 3, remember? More crafty than any other wild animals God made. And he's going to gather a couple other beasts. They call it a trinity of evil. There's going to be a beast in chapter 13 come out of the sea and another beast come off of the land and they're going to gather to make war against God's people. And in chapter 19, verse 19, the Son of Man on his white horse with the sword coming out of his mouth shows up again. Revelation 19, verse 19. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on his horse, that's Jesus, and his army. And the beast was captured. And with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into a fiery lake of burning sulfur. Does that sound familiar? The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Aren't you glad you came to church to hear that today? Well, we got this picture, this evil, all this evil in the world, it's being slaughtered there by Jesus. He's taking care of it all. So let me remind you that there's not this big catastrophic battle at the end of the world. God's going to win. He's just going to mop it all up. But there's still a dragon out there, right? What happens to him? Chapter 20, verse 10, Revelation. Remember, there's a throne there. And the devil, who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. There's evil beasts out there. But remember, who wins over the beasts? It's Jesus, the Son of Man. Ready for an apocalypse? Here we go. You ready? If I could summarize the story today, this is what it looked like. 
Here's our apocalypse. So remember, apocalypse means to unveil, to uncover, to reveal something. Here's what we've got. Let me tell you what you see. The picture's on the screen. Got a cross here. Got a red dragon. He's upside down. I wanted to set him on fire, but I didn't know how to do that. So the picture here is that the execution of Jesus led to his exaltation. Jesus wins. The dragon doesn't. Let me say it another way. Your picture of Jesus reveals your confidence in him. Your picture of Jesus reveals your confidence in him. If you have a great, big, strong, powerful picture of Jesus, then your confidence in him is going to say, my Jesus can take care of anything, any beast this world throws at me. But if you've got a little bitty picture of Jesus, a little small picture of Jesus, then that beast looks really big and scary. And you're not so sure who's going to win. Our action step this week, Core 52, Day 5 Action Step, Ask a friend who's not a Christ follower what he or she thinks God looks like if he came to earth. I think that's a good question for all of us to ask. If Jesus came to earth, what would he look like? That'd be a great question. And just see where the conversation goes. You don't need to pressure them to to convert them in that moment. Just see where the conversation goes. You might learn some things. When the day is done, our picture of Jesus reveals our confidence in him He's the son of man who conquers the beast. Let's pray. Jesus, son of man, king of kings and lord of lords, we confess our faith in you. Lord, we pray against the evil in this world, in our generations. And Lord, we claim the victory that you have over evil. Help us live as people of, to live as people of faith with a strong, powerful picture of you, the Son of Man who conquers evil. Amen.